0: pray if you have a Bible uh, while before we pray if you have a Bible you can turn to john first john not john first john chapter 4 let's pray <laughs> oh father we thank you for your word we thank you that your word heals us we thank you that your word is alive it energizes us it heals us and it, it reveals the heart of the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this room. We thank you that you are breathing on your word this morning. And that you are, you are raining down um, the blessing and the love of God on this world. We thank you that, uh, that you're moving not reluctantly but eagerly and so we we come before you today with expectation in Jesus name amen, amen. all right 1 John chapter 4 the apostle john who referred to himself as the disciple whom jesus loved in his gospel wrote his first chap- his first letter to the church to reveal what it means to be in Christ and then to be perfected by his love. Okay? He writes to us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, um, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Okay? Alright, are you guys okay? Everybody knows that, that scripture, right? So first, let's discover what John means by perfect love. Okay? Because we tend to think of perfect as being without fall, flaw. Sorry, <laughs> that was a mix between fault and flaw. we tend to think of it as being without flaw or without fault, right? But the Greek word for perfect means to be complete or to be full, okay? Are you guys okay so far? Okay, so it means to to be complete. It means to grow into maturity, okay? Okay? So this kind of love that's a perfect love, it's a full love, it's a complete love, and it lacks nothing. John used the noun form of this same word in John chapter 13, right before Jesus is about to wash his disciples' feet. He says, Jesus, having loved his own who are in the world, he now showed them the full measure of his love, the completeness of his love. He uses the verb form a few chapters later in John chapter 19 when he records the words of Jesus from the cross when he said, It is finished. Okay? Does this mean that that Jesus didn't love his disciples in the full measure before that moment? No. It means that there was a journey, right? Jesus came to show us the love of the Father. So every step that he took on the earth was to reveal the love of the Father. So when he gets to the end, when he washes their feet, when he lays down his life, when he takes on the sin of the world, he says, now the demonstration of the father's love is now complete. Okay. So we having first been loved in perfect love, now we are on a journey of maturing so that we become complete in this perfect love. Okay. You guys okay so far? Does that make sense? Okay, that's why John says perfect love drives out fear, but we who are in fear are not yet perfected in love. It's a journey. Okay? Does that mean does that make sense? Okay. We start with perfect love and then we mature until we become perfected by this love. Okay? You guys okay? I want to demonstrate it this way, okay? So we all know that we've been saved by grace, right? We've been saved by grace through faith, okay? But then after we're saved, sometimes we can walk in a law mentality because our mind has to be renewed in order to live in our new identity, right? Okay? So if we're walking in a law mentality, our starting point or our baseline is rescue, Right? We've been rescued. And as we walk through life, what we're walking toward is reward and punishment. Okay? Does that make sense? So we know that we've been rescued from hell, but judgment is in front of us. And so we walk and we try to do the right things and we try to do good things. And if we feel like we're doing good, then we feel like we have the favor of God and that he will answer our prayers. But if we don't feel like we're in a good place with the Lord, then we feel, we feel like we have to earn back his favor before we can come before him. And we live in this dread or this fear of punishment for what we know we deserve. Right? Okay? So then we start to learn a little bit more about who we are. And we know like, oh, we're loved. We're accepted because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Okay, but then we can stop short of maturing in this love. So I call this walking in love, but walking in an immature love. Okay, so our starting point or our baseline is we are unconditionally loved by the Father. We are already accepted by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Okay, so then when we walk toward life, what we're walking toward is blessing and favor. Right? So this renewing of our mind will set us free from the striving of trying to keep the law and earn God's favor, and that's a good thing. But without maturity, it can, um, it can, it can make us define for ourselves what love is and what our expectation of blessing is. Okay. And we can throw off the responsibility that comes with being a son. And we can lower the standard of righteousness in the name of love. Right? Okay. So then, that's not what John is describing. John is describing a process of maturing in love. Okay? So what this looks like is our baseline is the same, right? We're starting from the unconditional love of the Father. We've already been accepted in Jesus Christ, we're sons and daughters of God, and we walk through life. We're not walking toward reward and punishment. We're not walking toward blessing and favor. You know what? I'm walking toward more love. Wow. That's good. And it's not that God is going to love us more, because our baseline is we're already in perfect love. He can't ever love us any more or any less. What we're walking toward is being more completed or more mature in his perfect love. So we're walking from love, we're walking in love, and we're walking toward love. Right? Until everything else that's not love fades away, and all we have is love. I'm walking from love, I'm walking in love, and I'm walking toward love, and nothing else matters. That's the process of maturing in love. All right? You guys okay? Okay. So before John writes this in John chapter 4, verse 18, before he gets to that point, he describes for us the process of what it looks like to mature in love. Okay? So that starts, he starts that in John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. So he says, We know that we have come to know him. If we obey his commands, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's pretty strong, right? People who think that like Jesus and the disciples just like talked real soft and gentle and were always politically correct should read the Bible. <laughs> Verse 5, but if anyone obeys his word... God's love is truly made perfect in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, if we have a law mentality, when we read that, we're going to be immediately filled with anxiety and heaviness, right? (laughs) Because we read that like God's word is a set of commands that I must obey. And if I'm not obeying all of his commands, then I'm not the real deal. He says I'm not the real deal. And if my life doesn't look like Jesus' all the time, then I'm not measuring up. And that's where the fear of punishment comes in that John is talking about. This this mentality of the law is fear-based, and it measures how we perform with the expectation of reward and punishment. So even though we think we're starting with perfect love, this shows us how we can still think with a law mentality. Okay? So not only does it invite the fear of punishment, it invites the fear of failure, the fear of not being good enough, and the fear of missing out on the blessing of the Lord. Yeah. Okay? But that's not what John is talking about here. In fact, John describes a few verses earlier in, ver- in chapter 1, verse 8. He says... If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen to this. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. John says, hey... We've all sinned. We've all done it. We've all disobeyed his commands. His word doesn't come to condemn us. His word comes to show us what sin is, and then it gives us the authority to overcome it. It purifies us from our unrighteousness. Okay? Does that make sense? (laughs) So then he says in... uh, He goes on to say in chapter 2, right after that, My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay? So (laughs) John says, hey, his word purifies us. It shows us what sin is, so we don't have to sin. You don't have to, but if you do, guess what? Forgiveness is immediately available because he said so, okay? His word doesn't stand in accusation against us. His word actually perfects us in his love, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so the word for obey here when it says obey his commands it's, it's, it's a Greek word that means to keep watch or to stand guard, okay? So this doesn't mean that if I'm going to obey his commands that I have to do everything perfectly all the time. What it means is that all of my focus, all of my desires, all of my intent is on what he says. Because I know that every word he speaks comes from perfect love, And that it it is for me to free me from the sin that robs me and then um, accuses me afterwards. And it leads me into fear. And he says, I want your focus to be on my command because his love perfects us and it drives out the fear from us. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, this process is, um, is not a process of like following a bunch of rules with an expectation of reward and punishment. This process is I will keep all of my focus on his commands because he says that if I mess up, I am forgiven. And that forgiveness is available. So I will obey his command to receive forgiveness when I mess up. That's part of obeying his command to receive forgiveness. Okay, His word says that I am loved. His word says that I'm accepted. His word says that I am powerful. His word says that I am holy. His word says that I am filled with the spirit. His word says that I have overcome the world. His word says that I am worthy. His word says that I am wise. His word says that I'm his temple. His word says that I'm his child. So I will keep my focus on his word because his word is perfecting me in his love. And not how I feel and what I think is love. It's setting me free from myself and how I feel. Okay? His word is good. It purifies me. Uh, By exposing the lies that I believe about myself. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) So his perfect love through his word is is driving out my fear of punishment. It's showing me who I am. It's showing me what he believes about me. Okay? Okay? So the immature love then will take these things that he says about us and they'll take it to the other extreme. And sometimes even in, by accident, they will throw out the standard of righteousness in the name of love. Okay? And uh, so what they do is they will say, well, God has already made me righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus, right? And so now, because I'm already righteous and I'm already in Christ, now I can define my own standard of righteousness. And I can ignore the parts of his word that feel like the law to me, and I get to decide what's righteous in the name of love. Right? Anybody else heard, heard that before? Okay, listen, the standard of righteousness was not thrown out by the cross. Okay, when Jesus died on the cross, he actually elevated us to the standard of righteousness. And then, because he laid down his life in love, he empowered us to go beyond the standard of righteousness and into the standard of love. Okay, for example, in the Old Covenant... Under the law, the standard of righteousness is "Thou shalt not kill." But John says this in First John chapter three, verse eighteen about love, or sixteen. John 3, 1 John three sixteen, not John three 16. 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So. The standard of righteousness is don't kill. The standard of love is lay down your life. Okay? (laughs) My goodness. Love doesn't lower the standard of righteousness. It's a higher standard. The standard didn't get lowered. It got elevated. Any theology that tries to lower the standard of righteousness in the name of love is not the love of God. The standard of love goes higher. Okay? You guys okay? <laughs> so we walk from love in love toward love. And when all these voices come in with accusations and fear and you can lower the standard in, of righteousness and you can you're in God are okay, you can do this right here, those voices have to bow to perfect love because we are in the journey of maturing in love. So that we can not only be loved with perfect love, we can now become perfect love. Okay? Does that make sense? You guys okay? Yeah. All right. Number 2. Uh this is chapter 4 verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. Okay, that's the second way. The second way that God's love is perfected In us is through relationships, okay? God wants to purify how we know we are loved, and then he wants to purify how we love one another, okay? This is another way that his perfect love drives out fear, because a lot of our fears are in the context of relationships, right? Uh, We have the fear of man, which means we need others to love us. We have the fear of rejection, which means we need others to accept us. Our value is in how others accept us. We have the fear of not being enough, which is I find my worth in how popular I am. Okay? Fear in the context of relationship. And all these fears that we have impact how we love one another. Because we love them in order to re- to get something in return. Okay? If... if I find my value in being accepted by others, I will love with the expectation of acceptance. If I find my worth in my popularity, then I will love with the expectation of um, applause. And if I don't get those things in return, it will affect how I love. And I will begin to withhold love because I have fear inside my love. And it forces me to love with the expectation of return. Okay? Does that make sense? So as we read, John makes it clear in 1 John 3.16 what love looks like. Love looks like you lay down your life for each other. Okay? For your brother. So this means the more that we let God's love perfect us, the more we let it drive out fear, the more we can love without agenda. That means I love without expectation of return. That means I love without fear of rejection. That means I love without needing applause or affirmation or any of those things. Okay? Does that make sense? So in this scenario, if we have a law mentality, um, we will thrive on being martyrs. Right? Because uh, if we have a law mentality, then we will always be... We will find our value in what we give. And so we will always be measuring out what we give to make sure we're out giving everyone else. And we don't have the humility to receive because we are too busy measuring and making sure that we're out giving. And if someone tries to give us something and we feel like we haven't out given them, then we'll argue with them and we can't receive it. And that's pride. Okay. That's a law mentality. That's a measuring of what we're giving one another. Okay? Does that make sense? So, in this, so an immature love will define love as accepting people no matter what they're doing. Because Jesus accepted me in the state I was in, so I must accept everyone else in the state they're in. The problem with that is not in the accepting, the problem with that is equating acceptance with love. And acceptance is not love. Yes, Jesus accepted me just like I was, without anything, without changing, without anything. He accepted me as I was. But he loves me enough to believe in me and elevate me from, I almost fell off the stairs. Elevate, I'm waiting for the day I do that. (laughs) Uh, Elevate, thank you. He loves me enough to elevate me from that place where he accepted me to go higher. To go to a higher purpose, a higher destiny. That's what love is. I accept you right here, but I love you enough to not leave you there. Love does not equal acceptance. Okay? All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We cannot love, we cannot know the perfect love of God without each other. All right, number three. Okay. Uh, we're going to start at ver- chapter 4, verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And in this way, love is made perfect among us. Okay? So the the third way that we become perfected in his love is by living in his presence. Okay? Okay? By his word, he, he exposes and he purifies us from sin. Okay? By our relationships, he purifies our love for one another. And by his presence, he purifies us to become like him. Okay? Say that again. Uh, by his word, he purifies us from unrighteousness. By our relationships, he purifies our love for one another. By his presence, he purifies us to become like him. Okay, we can sometimes fear his presence as well because um, a law mentality will fear his presence because a law mentality is always afraid of what he's going to ask me to do. Okay, this is a fear of losing something or a fear of unmet desires, right? What if God's desires for me are not as good as my desires for myself? So, I don't want to come too close because he might ask me to do something that are not my desires. Right? That's a law mentality. Okay? However, the immature love can go the other extreme. And because we know that God is love and he loves us, we can chase the presence of God almost like it's a drug. I need to feel something good, so I need to get in the presence. We don't get in the presence. We live in the presence. Okay? (laughs) Okay? And His presence, when we live in it and we walk in the present, it transforms us. And we don't chase feelings. We get transformed by His presence. Okay? You guys okay? So, (laughs) I want to talk for a minute about the holiness of God that comes with His presence. Okay? Because the holiness of God is can best be described by his otherness. It is the way that he is completely set apart and other than anything we've ever known or seen. Okay? So when he comes, when his holiness, when it comes with his presence, what he's doing is he's expanding our view of him. Okay? And... What it does is it fuels our worship, it fuels our response, and it fuels the way that we know him. And it expands the way that we know him and make him known. Okay? Does that make sense so far? Okay. So, a law mentality can fear the holiness of God, and they can keep the holiness of God in, in a, at a distance, because to them, holiness of God, they can't, they'll self-condemn. Right, So in distance, I feel safe from self-condemnation, and I also then feel safe from the responsibility we have to become like him. Okay? We can't become like him without encountering his holiness. Okay? Does that make sense? But then what the immature love will do is they will reduce his holiness to something common. And it will, they will put us on equal ground with the Lord because we have been made holy. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, but, just like with perfect love, we have been made holy, but we are still being made holy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, By one sacrifice, Jesus made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. So we are holy, but we're also on a mature a journey of maturing in His holiness. Okay? We are never, ever on equal ground with God. Okay? Let me say this. Equality is the devil's lie. It's what he wanted from the beginning. I want to be equal with God. Any theology that teaches equality with God is straight from the mouth of the liar. And it should not be tolerated. Okay? What equality does is it throws out love and honor. God God created us in his image. He did not create us as equals. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> okay. God created kingdom order. He created a family, not of equals, but of honor and of love. In fact, he highlights all the ways that we're different. And he says this is how the world will know that I am who I say I am. This is how the world's going to know love is when you, in all of your differences, in all the places where you are, you come together. You show honor and love for one another. Not as equals but as family. And that's how they'll know what love is. Yeah. Equality is a lie from the devil. Right. Yeah. His We... <laughs> he is so other than us and that should make us rejoice I'm so glad he's not my equal oh my goodness I'm so glad he's other I'm so glad he's more I'm so glad his majesty and dominion and power is so much more than me he's my God he's not me Yes, we're holy, but we are not him. We are his children on the earth, and he is still God. All right? You guys okay? It perfects us. His holiness perfects us in his love. If he was so common, the price wouldn't be so great. His love wouldn't be so great. His love is greater than that. It's more perfect than that. He's more perfect than that. So we walk from love. We walk in love. And we walk to love. All right? Steve, you can come back. You guys can stand up. Listen. <laughs> this is <laughs> This is his moment. This is your moment with him. We get to fall in love with his word. We get to fall in love with the opportunity to love one another. And we get to fall in love with his presence. And we get to invite his holiness, not in fear, but it's the unfathomable, unfathomable, unsearchable ways that we get to discover him for all eternity. Yes. That we'll never reach the end of knowing the splendor of his majesty and the depths of his love. And we get to start right here, right now, on this earth. And we get to let his perfect love drive out all fear. So we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for these moments when we get to see more of you. We get to, to expand our view of who you are. We get to respond to you and we get to receive from you. Because we are your children on the earth. Yeah. Holy, there is no Open up my eyes in wonder and show